Hey guys, it's Corey from Lean Green Dad Radio. If you are a runner, or you're thinking about running, or maybe even want to tackle your first marathon, you do not want to miss today's show. Today is episode 67, and we're talking to no-meat athlete's Matt Frazier. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Lean Green Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey everybody, how's it going? How's your week? What's going on? My name is Corey, and welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. If it's your first time listening to the show, hey there, how you doing? My name is Corey, and I am a husband, a father of three, a plant-based athlete, and uh, just a guy that really likes to make the most out of life, to be as healthy as possible. And each week, I get to talk to some of the most inspiring people that I can find to help me do just that. Stay motivated to stay fit, eat healthy, and really get the most out of life as a busy parent. You know, for me, finding time to work out, make healthy quick meals for my family and myself, and spend quality time together can be really tough when we overschedule ourselves. So my hope is that by me getting to talk to some of these awesome folks, that you'll walk away with some gold nuggets of inspiration that you can use in your life to keep you and your family going strong. Now, today we have someone that I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while. His name's Matt Frazier, and he runs No Meat Athlete. Now, you might have seen every now and then from some of my pictures and Instagrams and stuff that I wear my No Meat Athlete running jersey whenever I participate in a race, and I love them. I get all these little comments from people all the time that love the little running carrot that's on the front that he uses as a logo, but he's transitioning away from the running carrot. What's all that about, huh? Well, I'm sure we'll see every now and then. I'm sure we'll see the little running carrot, but I just had to mention that uh, I really loved talking to Matt. I mean, he's a great guy, and he shared a couple things that you don't usually hear from him, and those are some of the behind-the-scenes stuff we get to talk about. And in today's podcast, we talk about why he became vegan, how he balances his life with his family and still gets his training in, of course, and my favorite, his go-to meal on a busy night with the family. So without any further ado, let's get into it. He's no meat athlete himself, Mr. Matt Frazier on episode 67 of Lean Green Dad Radio. Let's get into it. so glad to have uh, not only a plant-based champion, but a marathoner, an ultra runner, and uh, really one of the best no-meat athletes out there. He is also a husband and a dad. Welcome to the show, Matt Frazier from No Meat Athlete. And thanks, Corey. I'm excited to be here. So I-, I wanted to start off by, you know, talking about your journey to becoming plant-based because at the beginning, it, it was kind of a... a- you know, a younger thing for you, you're you're getting into marathons and you notice that you had an increase in time, uh, not an increase, I should say a decrease in time. And I, how, how did that start for you? How did you get into the plant-based lifestyle? So I, uh, I started running when I was in college, I had never really been a runner my whole life and uh, very naively decided I was going to run a marathon with some friends and uh, jumped into that 
not only planned to run a marathon, but actually planned to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Uh, again, just not having any idea what I was getting into. Ended up missing that time goal of three hours and 10 minutes was what it would have taken to qualify for Boston. Missed that by 103 minutes. So I ran a 4.53 um, and basically got obsessed then with the idea that I was going to find a way to qualify for Boston. It just became this big quest when I realized just how far away I was from this thing that I thought I could do. Um, it ended, It took me seven years or so to get there. Um, and in the fifth or sixth year of that, I this I was not vegetarian at all this time, certainly not vegan. Um, had learned a lot about nutrition, but kind of plateaued around five years into this journey. Right at the same time as I was having a kind of ethical conflict in my head about eating animals and just started to feel kind of strangely about doing that um but but didn't really want to give it up i was just worried about you know protein calories the same things anyone else worried especially back then i mean even even though this was only uh seven years ago now it's changed so much in how much people are aware of that this diet can work right um so you know i i because i had plateaued i just said you know what i'm just going to change my diet and eat this way. I didn't think at all that it was going to help me. I thought it was going to be a greater challenge now. Um, so I just did it, went vegetarian, and uh, really like right away got faster. I was not expecting it at all. That's This was when I started the blog and started kind of writing about the food I was making and how it was going. And uh, just six months after I made that change, I took the final 10 minutes off my my marathon time to run a 309.59. Oh. And uh you know, it it just 10 minutes at that point was a huge amount of time. I had taken 93 minutes off that first time and uh, it just felt like, where am I going to find 10 more minutes? And I had no idea that this would be where it was, but I ended up having just this, this great summer of training and things went well. And, and I just, I really think the diet had a lot to do with that last bit of it. Yeah. And I, I think obviously that question that you always talk about that, where do you get your protein question? And uh, I, I love that podcast you had. You had a doctor on recently. Forgive me. I don't remember his name. Uh, Garth Davis, probably. Right. And Garth was talking about all of the, the ways that you can get protein and how we kind of over obsess about getting our protein, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and what was the what was the thing that he said that no one no one that he's heard of has ever been, you know, actually medically treated for a protein deficiency? Yeah, and I've I've heard that before. They're re- like other than in the cases of total caloric deficiency, uh, when of course you know you're deficient in protein because you're de- deficient in everything. Right. Um, it seems like there haven't been many or any uh, documented cases of of someone not having enough protein. Hmm. Uh, especially if you eat whole foods, it just seems like it's very very hard not to get it. I mean, and I think I asked him. I said, "Where? What's the shortest answer to where do you get protein?" And he said, "Food." So like it, it just it's in whole actual foods. If you eat a bunch of junk food and you eat, you know, if if a huge part of your diet is oils and sugars and things that have literally been removed, been separated from the rest of the food, uh, then yeah, I guess it theoretically would be possible to not get the protein your body needs. But right. if you just eat actual foods, and I mean vegetables and fruits and things that we don't ever consider to be protein foods, if you just eat food, you're gonna get the protein you need. Right. Well, you have to start somewhere, though, and a lot of people listening to this might be wanting to start off a healthy diet or start off a plant-based diet or maybe introduce more fruits and veggies into their diet, but they don't know where to start. And I know your website is an excellent resource for that because you talk about how to get started in this vegan lifestyle if you want to do it. But what's that first thing that any busy family can do to, to take a step in the right direction towards beginning a vegan or plant-based lifestyle? 
I mean, it depends, I guess, how you want to go about it. I, I definitely don't recommend that people try to go overnight vegan um, or even overnight vegetarian. For me, the the whole process really took a few years. I, I first gave up uh, eating cows and pigs, like stopped eating four-legged animals for a full year. This is when I was in the, the I was worried about not getting enough protein phase. So I kept chicken in my diet and did that for a whole year before I actually made a decision to go vegetarian. Um and I think that has worked. That worked really well for me. That has kept me on the path. And, and every other part of the of the transition has been slow as well. So it took me a few months then with with just chicken, then a few months with just fish, and then uh, a few years even to go from vegetarian to vegan. And uh, I think if you can take those those really small steps, I think that as as much as that's not maybe the exciting thing to do when when you get inspired to make a change. Uh, it just it teaches you how to order at a restaurant, how to deal with social situations, how to cook for people, how to cook for yourself, how to plan meals. You learn all these things in phases rather than having this gigantic drastic change in something as, as central to our life as food um, if you take these small steps. So the question then is what are what should these small steps be? Should every family you know start with removing four-legged animals, then when they're ready, remove two-legged animals? I don't know. That worked well for me, and it was good. Uh, but I think for some people, a much simpler, more practical way to start would be just try to lengthen the amount of time in each day um, that that passes, you know, until you eat non-vegetarian food. So that that's a terribly bad way to, <laughs> way to express that. Um, basically, be vegan for as long as you can each morning. Hmm. And the simplest way I think to do that is start with a smoothie. So right. whatever breakfast is now. Instead, start having a smoothie when you get up. And don't put milk or yogurt or anything in there. Just blend up some fruit, some nuts and seeds if you want. It's so simple to make a good smoothie. You need almost nothing in there. You could literally just put fruit in, and you'd have a pretty good smoothie. Uh-huh. Um, I would say just start eating that way. And then maybe you can make it until 9 or 10 a.m., and then then you eat whatever it is you typically eat. Um, but But just do that. And if you can do that for a few weeks, then maybe you'll start to feel good. And I think then you could say, hey, you know what? I could actually make this last through lunchtime and I'll have a giant salad for lunchtime and, you know, a veggie wrap or some kind of other pretty simple meal to throw together. Right. Uh, rather than getting involved in like complex new recipes and new kinds of cooks, just these simple, really easy to eat foods that these are, everything I mentioned here happens to be raw as well. So, I mean, I think you're just going to feel really great from eating this way. And uh, and then, you know, if, if you're inspired because you feel great to keep doing it, then keep doing it. But if you're not, then just kind of stick there for a while and, and see where it goes. What about this notion of being perfect? I mean, you know, whether it's a resolution or whether it's a a fad diet that you're doing, I mean, I feel like people that I'm around that have wanted to start this, you know, plant-based diet. I was just at the other, I was at a daddy-daughter dance the other day with my daughter. (laughs) And we're at the elementary school and I'm talking to this other fellow dad who's a friend of mine. And he's like, yeah, man, I just fell off track. You know, I, I went fishing or I went, I don't know what he was doing. He was, he said he was fishing or he was out doing something in the wilderness and uh, hopefully it wasn't hunting but he was out in the wilderness and he uh said yeah i just had to stop and get a bag of doritos i was just craving a bag of doritos so i did it and now i'm off track and i i don't know what to do it's like why do i even do this i'm like well just get back on track you know <laughs> and so how do you, how do you feel about when people quote unquote cheat or whatever yeah i mean i, I think i think that's one of the problems with with the kind of overnight change all at once approach is that it kind of breeds that that mindset that like suddenly a switch has been flipped and now I eat this way and 
if there's any sign of me uh, of that not being true, like I eat a bag of Doritos, then then it must not be true at all, and I'm going to go back to how I was. Then I was wrong. The switch didn't flip. I, I still eat <laughs> this stuff. So I, I think that's the, this the smaller steps really fights that. Uh, I think if someone just decides they're going to start eating a smoothie every morning, and then you know one one morning they they don't they eat something else first. I think because that step is so small and because it's not this huge thing in their head that it doesn't feel like that just represents total failure and now they shouldn't have even started this. Um, Michael Greger is another doctor who I recently interviewed on my podcast and he tells a story about someone, I think one of his patients or something, who said, you know, I, I love like all the stuff you're teaching in this plant-based diet. It all makes so much sense to me, but I, I could never give up my grandmother's or my mother's chicken soup or something like that. And Dr. Greger's response was, well, then don't like, it's, it's fine. Like you can, you, you could get a hundred percent of the health benefits of this if you ate this way, but still ate your mother's chicken soup when the opportunity arose. Right. Like it just doesn't make a difference when you're talking about, uh, your, your habits. I mean, like, you know, we are what we do most of the time. Like what matters is what, what, what we do most of the time, it, the little, little exceptions just don't do anything. Now, ethically speaking, like there's a big difference between sometimes every now and then eating animals and never eating animals. Um, but, but from a health point of view, like it, it really doesn't matter if you just make a few exceptions. So I think if you can be okay with that, uh, you're, you're way more likely to, to make changes last. Definitely that, that perfectionist attitude, uh, as, as kind of ideal, you know, we, we think we see movies and Hollywood stuff where someone does make a change overnight and they never go back. But uh, for the most part, that that's not realistic, and I think it I think it does kind of uh, limit chances for success when when you are aiming for perfection. Right, I agree, and you know I I also follow Rip Esselstyn as I know you do too, and you know Rip talks about I think even in Forks Over Knives they talk about five percent, and the study maybe it was the China study that talked about you know less than five percent or five percent or less of meat in your diet, you know you're not going to have the the negative effects of that animal protein in your body. Yeah, I've heard that same thing from from Dr. Joel Furman, who who mm -hmm. you know advocates for this diet, but says like in all his research, and he's really research based, he just doesn't see that there's a difference. And I think I think he doesn't eat animal products because he he senses or he, or he has the feeling that they're not healthy. But he's like, it's it's not really been established whether clearly there's benefits to to removing making making meat less than ninety percent of your diet or animal products less than ninety or ninety five percent, but. Beyond that, it's it's really hard to tell whether it, it does make any more difference. Right. Well, let's switch to those days that you come home and you are just slammed. And you have so much to do and, uh, you know, you're a busy dad. How do you prep food? How do you make enough time to to make those quick meals because every day I would love to open up Rich Roll's book and find the recipe that I love and get all of these perfect ingredients and put them together. But sometimes I don't have enough time and I've just got to go to like a Gardein product that I can just kind of put in the toaster oven and have like black bean sliders and they're ready to go, you know? Yeah. So what, how do you do it? What is your, I guess, what is your, it's a two part question. Okay. So what is your go-to food? that when you're in a rush that you know you can still remain healthy and not make like Velveeta shells and cheese or something like that. And what, how, how do you plan it all? Do you meal plan? Do you think about things ahead of time? So a, a two-part kind of question there. Sure. Uh, I think, I think it's, it's really good to have a go-to food, first of all. Not, I mean, most people 
don't necessarily think about that or or their go-to food is just whatever happens to be convenient. Like you said, you've got the Velveeta shells or something else. Um, I think if you can if you can figure out ahead of time and like really we keep a little list of it, like what are the one maybe or maybe three or five meals that you know if you had no ingredients in the house uh, that you could stop on the way home from work or even run out and get because they take you know like four ingredients they're really quick to shop for and you know they come together really quickly and they also happen to be healthy and pretty good so like if you can find a meal like that and they're not common then write it down. I mean, for God's sakes, write that down so that you have a record of it. Um, even put the ingredients into your phone if you want, in a text document or something, so that you always have that on hand. You can always swing by the store and get it. Uh, I think it's a really, really important thing. For us, we have a few different recipes like that. Um, I mean, we do like little tofu wraps for the kids. They, because you know, kids are picky, as you probably know. Uh, <laughs> have certain foods they like, and when you find one that they that they do, and that happens to be healthy then uh, that, that's a good one to to make note of. So we have this tofu wraps recipe with a bunch of vegetables and a good uh, cashew ranch dressing that we usually have on hand anyway. Um, and, you know, the kids will eat that. And then we'll eat the same thing. Like, it, it works for us too because it's a kid-friendly meal. We've got a few others. There's a tempeh taco recipe actually from Rip Esselstyn's uh, Engine 2 book that is like you, you fry some tempeh, or not fry, but you put some tempeh in a pan with some water and some soy sauce, and then basically dump a bottle of barbecue sauce on it and serve it in tacos. Um, that's really good too. And the both the things I've mentioned happen to be soy products, which isn't to say that that we eat a whole lot of that stuff. But right. uh, we're not opposed to it. I mean, probably once a week, once every two weeks, we'll do a, a soy product as dinner. Um, so those are mine. But I think as as I've gotten uh, more comfortable with nutrition and and move to a simpler way of eating i think over time um I, i've kind of gotten way more comfortable i think than most people are and certainly than i used to be with the idea that um first of all we don't need every every meal that we think we need like it's it's nothing bad happens if you don't eat dinner one night i'm not saying you'd, you'd want to make a, a habit of that of course but um you can if if you have absolutely nothing but you have three bananas you can eat those bananas and a handful of nuts and like you can be full mm-hmm. and that's probably closer to the way you know our ancestors and i mean long long ago um you know that, that's probably the way people ate and more than sitting down at a dinner and combining 10 different foods into this nice thing that they put on a plate it was probably more find a fruit tree and fill up on it um <laughs> right. so you know and, and like there are, people have taken this to extreme is not the right word, but have have gone as far in that direction as they can, and like there are fruitarians who that is all they do. Um, that's that's a little much for us. We've tried it; it's fun, but it's kind of a lot to be, um, you know, a normal family and eating that way. So it's not something we make a habit of. But like if that if that if there's a meal now and then that's that's like that, like you know why not? That's fine, and it's really simple, and there's no cleanup, and it doesn't take any cooking time, and it's actually quite. Uh, a relief from the rest of the stress to be able to to do that, or even just throw together a huge salad. And we have, as I said, that cashew ranch dressing a lot. Throw that together, put some, uh, dump a half a can of beans on there, and then mix up some dressing with it. And like that, you can get full on that. And I'm totally happy to to do that. Uh, again, maybe that's not enough calories for an everyday dinner, but we're not talking about every day, just just now and then. 
right? The the times you're in a rush. I can't tell you uh, how many times I've said, "Oh, breakfast for dinner," and I'll show, <laughs> yep. I'll shove two quinoa, you know, frozen waffles in the in the toaster oven and pop them out. My son's happy. He's just like, "Hey, great waffle night," you know. Yeah. But uh, yep. I'm not gonna beat myself up over it. You know, I try the best I can on a daily basis. So. No, I mean, I don't think you need to. I think I think there's nothing like you wouldn't want them to eat that every meal, but it, it's way better than most people's dinner that they that they are putting on the table and thinking it's a healthy dinner yeah, so running through the drive-thru or something like that yeah exactly yep um all right so we talked about eating and, and being a busy family how about training when you are getting ready for a marathon or getting ready for any kind of race or endurance activity how do you fit in your training are you a morning guy a night guy just whenever how do you work it in uh, I tend to do it in the afternoons, and and I'm lucky to be able to work from home, so I have that flexibility that I understand not everybody has. Um, but but for me personally, what I tend to do is uh, do some work, you know, from nine till two or three in the afternoon. And then when I hit this sort of afternoon lull, uh, as a lot of people experience, that for me is when I go and run. And it just like I know I'm not effective at working anymore at that point, so that's when I'll go get in a run. Um, oftentimes that's the hottest part of the day, which isn't the the smartest thing, I guess, is right. in the summertime. Uh, but it's not bad. I've gotten used to it. And I think if you can get yourself used to running in the heat, then then all the better. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. So that's the way I tend to do it. I mean, I've gone through phases where I, I set the alarm and get up really early and run. Uh, it's just, it's just, for me, it's so much harder to get out the door for that run when it's still dark out or really cold out right. than it would be when it's sunny in the afternoon. Um, but you know, that, that's just a personal preference. When I was training for the Ironman race, I had to wake up at like four 30 every morning. And <laughs> it just reminds me of that video of the, I am an Ironman, you know, and we talked to uh, Peter Shankman who made that video and it's just his story about how he made it was funny. He was dating someone and you know, he, she was like, you want to go out to dinner? And he's, he's a 38 year old man. He's like, no, I'm sorry. I've, it's six o'clock. I've got to go back to bed. She's like, you're insane. You know? So I mean, that was that was me for quite a while, and I was married and had two kids, one and three at the time. Now I have three, but, you know, at the time, the hardest part of the training was being present and awake as a father <laughs> because <laughs> right. you're exhausted. You know, you're working out for three hours every morning, so I, I, I now get to work at home too, so I love that, and I... I might try that, you know, once the lull hits, you know, get up and do something. And if you're at work, let's say you're in a, you know, a sedentary type of job where you're at a desk or something, um, all of us have to sit at a desk and work on a computer at some time, but maybe instead of, you know, you don't have an Apple watch that's reminding you to get up, maybe you can, you hit that lull and you either eat something healthy, like maybe a handful of nuts or something, or you get up and walk around, you know, um, that, that might work too. Do a lap around your workplace office or something like that you know anything to get you up and, and get you out and then i know some people like to work out at night because of cortisol levels and stuff like that um but that's kind of more related to weight training i think right you know i don't really know about the cortisol level things um or or what you know when if a certain type of training is better at night than another uh, i, I do either. know <laughs> i do know that yeah i know that i've never really considered night running as a as a thing but um, or as like a habitual, like I, I tend to think, especially with kids that like, once it's dark out, you're, you're kind of in, like, you're not like, yes, you could go out and go to the gym workout, but like, you right. don't really consider running when it's not daylight. But there are a lot of people who actually make that work. Like that is the only time maybe they are doctors or something and they work 10 or 12 hours a day. And for all the daylight hours they work, 
So like they have to, and people make that work. Like you put on a headlamp and I've done some trail running where you do run at night times and you wear a headlamp. And it kind of taught me that like, just because the sun's down doesn't mean you still can't get your running. You've got more concerns, some safety issues to make sure you're, you're mindful of. Right. Uh, but, but those are hours when, when you could be doing that instead of watching TV or something. Not, not to say that there's not a place for the just kind of mindless relaxation, but, um, there are other options. Is what I, people say. Like I can't run because I I work all the daylight hours, but no, you can. Like there are ways to make that work. It's just a matter of making it a priority and and deciding you're going to do it. Do you ever get on the treadmill? Uh, I mean, every now and then, if it's really cold out or something. But I I really can't stand it. It's just like I mean, you live in Asheville, right? Yeah, or, or North Carolina. So it's like, why would you, <laughs> why would you be on a treadmill if you are in that beautiful place? And I'm in Orlando, so I have no excuse. I mean, it's perfect. <laughs> all the time here right. unless it's raining or something but yeah, yeah i mean I, I don't know i'm someone who i'm not my wife always gets on me about not uh not being like mindful of my surroundings like i don't always appreciate where i'm running or anything i kind of just focus on the run and, and get it done so i'll put on my headphones and i'll listen to a podcast or an audiobook and kind of zone in to that so like theoretically it shouldn't make a difference to me whether i'm outside or on a treadmill but man when i get on a treadmill i just I, it, it feels like the run is just so much harder. Like it can be the exact same pace and the exact same amount of time, but it just wears on and on. And like, you just can't wait to be done at least, at least me. Whereas if I'm outside listening to something, I can kind of zone out and, and just the time will pass. But right. uh, yeah, treadmills are tough. If I was doing some sprint training or quick, you know, high intensity stuff on the treadmill, that might be fun, but <laughs> just get it over with, you know? Um, but Yeah. Well, tell me what's going on. I know recently I'm on your email list and I got the uh, marathon roadmap that you're uh, pushing out now. And I, I loved it. I saw, I didn't make it through the whole thing. I made it through the beginning half, but I, I, I think it's great. And uh, I, I've never run a marathon, you know, funny enough, I've done the Ironman and I did the marathon <laughs> within the Ironman, but I had not done an, uh, a marathon prior to doing Ironman. I had done a bunch yeah. of halves. And so everybody was like, oh, whatever you do, do not run a marathon before you do Ironman because it'll psych you out mentally. So, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah I that, get that. that that's what they sense. said. I don't know. Huh. So, um, but the halves, I love halves because I feel like you can really push hard for like all 13 miles. And I mean, there's a strategy to it, obviously, but I like, you know, pushing is a little harder than that I'm used to during a half. And then with the full, I can imagine you really have to pace yourself and have a strategy, you know, coming into race day. But, um, I think that the marathon roadmap that you've laid out and just talking about all your experiences is, is really helpful. So tell me a little bit more about that, how people can, you know, sign up for it and, and get it to their inbox. Sure. Thanks. And I appreciate the, the nice words about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like I've I've read during that that quest to qualify for Boston, I just I went through so many different programs, and just almost never used the same one twice because I would find something that I liked and then pick up some insight, but then realize that something didn't work for me and go to the next one and go to the next one, and then even with all that, like I found that there's still a tremendous amount of of learning that that kind of just happens by doing it. Like like you can have a perfect training session and like some books will focus so much on all the details of each run and you can do that to the letter and never make a mistake be great do every run do everything go to bed early on friday nights so that you can get up and get your run and just make them perfect and then on race day you go out and eat the wrong thing in the morning or don't eat enough in the morning or 
drink too much water too close to race time, and now you've got to go to the bathroom early in the race, but you can't find a porta pot because there's lines at them and you don't want to slow down to go to one. So like it's so so much work can go into to getting this right, and then one little tiny mistake can totally blow it. Um, not the least of which is a pacing mistake, which is what I made several times in my first few races, just not really understanding the way to run a marathon and, and the way, um, really this comes back to kind of having the idea of having a single goal in mind rather than saying like, I want to finish in this range of time, but here's what my best time would be like. I don't know. I, I've thought about that stuff a whole lot and, and kind of just realized like people needed a, a, a guide that would give you, um, just all, all that stuff, all this information about what it takes to run a marathon in addition to a training plan and kind of the, the concepts that, that I found that work best uh, for someone who wants to run a first race. So with Marathon Roadmap, that was my guide. Put that all together into a, a guide. Uh, that guide has since expanded into you know a bunch of video series that I talk about with. So each, each uh, week of the training, there's a little video from me talking about what the focus is that week. A uh, whole bunch of expert interviews. I think there are like eight or ten of them now in there with it, with a bunch of plant-based athletes and things like that. Um, a nutrition section with recipes and how do you make the plant-based diet work for this. So just kind of, it's I, I call it a system. Uh, the the URL for it is nomadathlete.com slash roadmap. And uh, it, it's, a, it's my system for getting your first marathon done. So I uh, hope people will check it out. It's great. It, it really is. And all of your material, everything that you put out, whether it's free content or, you know, subscribe or join, it's always so comprehensive and it's it's really something that's admirable. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for taking the time to put all the information into it and really just making it a really complete product, whatever you put out. So, I mean, that's, that's sure, why thank you're, you. that's why you're so successful right now. Everything's really great. I mean, the, the shirts alone are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about the running carrot. Hello. I mean, <laughs> that that's really cool. And I think you, did you have the running carrot go away a little bit for the new shirts? Is that what I saw? The running carrot is is still part of the band. We do still sell some sell some like throwback carrot shirts that we call them, um, <laughs> because I think people would revolt if it was totally gone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we've kind of shifted, and I'm getting a big redesign of the site done because the running carrot made total sense for this brand when it started. When it was just my fun little project, and like I, I came to this diet from the point of view of uh, really just a few years before I made this change, I I did not want to become a vegetarian because I didn't want to be one of those people. I, I thought those people were like, you know, preachy and militant and pushy. Right. And I just, I just couldn't imagine being that. So when I did finally say, okay, I'm going to actually do this. Uh, I was just, you know, very passionate about making sure that that message was not the one that was sent. And to me, a running smiling carrot guy was the opposite <laughs> of like, you know, a bloody animal cruelty image and say, you should go vegan because of this. So that, that was the image that fit the brand for a long time. But since then, it has helped a lot of people. And I've, I've realized that, like, you know, it's something to be taken a little bit more seriously than that. I still stay away from the preachy militant thing, of course. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I want this to be something that that people can can show up with a No Meat Athlete shirt to, you know, a really hardcore trail race or something. And, and people see that and, like... I don't know, not see a running, smiling carrot guy on the shirt. Because I just, you know, one, one of the misconceptions about this diet is that, uh, you know, it's going to make you weak. Or if you did this, you're not manly and masculine. And I, like, I don't know if that's something that we need to combat. But I didn't want to be 
I don't know, encouraging it. I didn't want the only shirt option to be one that, that someone might say, hey, that's like, that's exactly what I think about vegetarians, that they're the sort of wimpy kind of carrot guy rather than uh, something tougher. So I just wanted to have a, a little bit of a tougher feel for the brand. Um, but yeah, that carrot will always be a part of it for sure. Yeah. And I I couldn't agree more with the, uh, the preachy thing on your about page alone. Obviously I was looking at it before, you know, we talked and right at the beginning, you say, you're not going to receive a, a lecture or be preachy, you know, here, this is not, that's not me. So right. I, I think that's great. And that's what makes this, I, I don't know, movement, you know, Rich Roll calls it the movement, you know, he's so passionate about it all. And it's like, it, it is a movement, but at the same time, it's a very inclusive movement. It's not exclusive. You don't like get a card when you're vegan and, and have your vegan card revoked if you eat a, you know, a, a, a chip that's, you know, got cheese on it or something like that. It's, it's, it's one of those things that we want everybody to just learn about it. Just simply learn about it. Um, you know, check out Dr. Greger and nutritionfacts.org and, and see these factual videos and, and make your own decision and do what works best for you. And, you know, just like you were saying, Matt, it's like, if, if you start off, you know, a hundred percent and that's something that you can do, then that's great. But Maybe you stop eating four-legged animals or maybe you just do a, a salad a day or a salad a week even or start your morning off with a smoothie. I think it's very important to go at your own pace and do what works for you because there is no right answer. There is no do it this way and you will be successful. It is find out what works best for you from knowledge and uh, and kind of make your own decisions for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, and like when I say that that – like you said, that eating 5% of your calories from animal products is, is probably not any less healthy or not clearly any less healthy than, than being a hundred percent vegan. Um, you know, that's not to say that I, I don't wish everyone was vegan. I mean, of course I do. I would love it if everyone could go a hundred percent vegan and stay that way. Like that's, that's one of my goals too, is not, not to get a hundred percent, but to, to advance this movement and to get more people into it. But I really just believe because we kind of all have this stereotype of like, that, that this thing is that, that vegetarian veganism is this pushy thing. And that's unfortunately what most of us kind of grew up associating with this. Uh, I think we kind of need to, to be the opposite extreme for a while and, and for there to be people out there who, who are the complete opposite of what you would expect if you think of what a vegan or vegetarian is like. So, uh, that, you know, that's why I try to encourage people to, to really just, just do what is comfortable with you. You don't have to go all the way ever i mean i think if, if you can keep moving in that direction that's wonderful but uh certainly a little bit is better than nothing and, and um, if someone's gonna never gonna go all the way but they're willing to have a meatless monday and and do that for the rest of their life then then i will take it wow <laughs> well it's it's been what six seven years of no main athlete is that right? almost seven years now yeah oh, unbelievable so seven years of no main athlete and uh you're you're leading the charge and I'm trying to help every way I can. It's been about a, a year and a couple months for me, so we're we're steadily moving along. And uh, I think together, all these all these vegan podcasters and you know plant based enthusiasts can help get that message out there. So thank you again so much. Uh, where can everybody find you on social? Uh, pretty much everything is under No Meat Athlete. So NoMeatAthlete.com is the blog. The podcast is also called No Meat Athlete. You can find that on iTunes or anywhere else. Um, Facebook and Twitter are both just no meat athlete. Instagram is the one exception. That one is no meat athlete underscore official because someone, someone beat me to that one. Ah, oh, darn it. That's how <laughs> yeah, it goes. Yeah, I was man. late on Instagram, but. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for being on the show. All right, thank you for the work you're doing. 
Hey guys, what's up? It's Corey back in the studio. Thank you so much for making it through another episode of Lean Green Dad Radio. But hey, don't let your experience stop here. Visit us online at leangreendad.com. You can also follow us at Lean Green Dad on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. And of course, we have a YouTube channel. We do some funny videos every now and then. So hope you'll come along and join us. Again, that's leangreendad.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the show. And uh, we'll see you next week for a new episode. Until then, this is Lean Green Dad saying go the extra mile for your family.